Hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum and a member of the Drum Click Podcast Network. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and today's guest is Philo Chungi, an independent drummer based in Berlin, Germany. If you don't already know, one of my duties at Big Fat Snare Drum is artist relations, and Philo received my first endorsement offer. It was so immediately obvious to me that Philo is going to be a tastemaker for years to come, and it's honestly an honor to see our stuff behind the kit. Philo has played with so many acts, and I'm probably going to butcher their names like I always do, so please go check out Philo's Instagram, which is at Philo Chungi. Spelling can be found in the title of this episode for all those names that I'm not going to try and say right now. I honestly can't say enough about Philo's playing. It just works. You can lump it into the hip-hop category, but it's so much more than any one genre, as you'll find out in this episode. I've been looking forward to this chat for a long time, so this one was pretty special to me. And here are the top five influences that shaped the amazing Philo Chungi. Cheers. You got a bachelor's degree in classical music. What is what does a bachelor's degree mean in Germany as opposed to if you know what it means in America? Mm, I mean, so we did like we had the diploma until like a year or two years before I started studying the bachelor's, mm-hmm. and I think in like scientific studies the bachelor isn't worth anything basically okay um so you have to do a master's and you should do a phd that's like um the the diploma the german diploma was worth a lot like they say it was worth a master's degree you know basically um but in music it's it's just different i feel like i feel like you could like you could get into you know being a professional while studying basically um there's no need to to have the degree and i feel like most people that go into the masters they just try to stay in the system and you know in like this this um you know very kind of peaceful environment for as long as possible mm-hmm. um i mean there's a lot of a lot to learn and a lot a lot to um to to discover and explore of course but um but also it's just a safe space to be you know you don't you don't have to pay so much for your insurance you have like access to practice spaces and stuff like that so you know it's it's worth staying in school as long as possible i guess um you know just to be just to be able to focus on your art as much as possible but yeah i mean in the end i'm i'm happy i I'm happy I finished my master's then in the end, but also in Germany, it's, you know, no one, no one is asking for your degree, you know, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter in the end if you're doing your job well. Yeah. 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 In America, there's a uh, Berkeley School of Music. I'm sure you've heard of it. A yeah. lot of, ki- I mean, most, I, I guess I don't know the statistics, but a lot of people drop out before they finish because they have an yeah. amazing gig that they don't need the degree anymore. So, Yeah. Yeah, I met I met Owen Biddle once uh, when he was touring with um, Mr. Barrington mm. uh, in Europe, and he said if you 
kind of like if you don't drop out you did something wrong you know <laughs> yeah, exactly um and i also i only finished my studies because covid came and i just had time to do it um, oh so it was a recent finish yeah 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 i just finished it this april um so i was like it, i was pushing it you know as far as possible kind of you know basically until the government comes along and says you know you're about to turn turn 30 like you should <laughs> you should like finish that now um so i i i uh kind of you know stretched everything as far as i could and um yeah and then covid came and i i was able to to finish it but i would have probably dropped out too <laughs> at some point sure well covid <laughs> i mean you had to stay home and study so that was kind yeah, of ideal right. yeah, yeah, yeah and in your college i know you study with klaus hessler yeah. Um, and that made me want to talk about, I ask all my guests, what is your relationship with technique? Mm. I mean, Klaus is a very technical player. Um, mm. And I, I mean, I admire that because I, I see how all of the people that studied with Klaus from an early age on or like younger than when I started studying with him, they all have like such smooth hands, you know, um, like, for example, Annika, she studied with him, you know, way oh. back because they come from like they come from the same city or like the same part of Germany. Um, and I feel like you can see it like it's just kind of it's kind of imprinted into like every every of, of his students uh, technique, you know, it's like very flawless and very like um um, just clean, basically. And I feel like if I would have studied with him before playing gigs while studying, um, I would have probably taken on his way of thinking and applying technique. But since I was already touring and playing so much when we studied um, together or when I studied, studied with him, I, um, I feel like I just, you know, I could just take tiny bits bits of what he has to offer um just for me to make sure to not get overwhelmed with everything that he you know can actually teach because he knows everything about everything you know yeah. he knows like he knows every bone in the body and you know kind of can can talk to you about the muscles in your hand and you know all of that knowledge um so i kind of had to i kind of had to apply a filter for me just just to make sure um, you know, that I don't go home and be like all bummed out because I feel like I don't know shit, you know? <laughs> totally. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I always have the feeling if I, if I'm disciplined and I just like continue continuously, um, practice the basics, meaning singles and doubles and, you know, paradiddles and all inversions of the paradiddle i just feel so much better at the kit and you know that's just without uh, yeah without going all too crazy about it or without being too i don't know yeah yeah without spending too much time on the pad basically and on like technique but i just feel like i do actually need to um to have the basics clean and you know just uh just yeah I just try to do it every day, um, also on tour and stuff, because I just feel like I sit down at the kit with 
a lot more confidence in the end um, when I do that. And yeah, and yeah, studying with Klaus was just like just inspiring in that way. Just just yeah, being confronted with how much there is to learn and how much uh, how much he knows. And but also, as I said, like being aware of what I actually need and and how far I want to go with this. And um, you know, not being too overthinking in in the in the technique field, basically. Yeah, it's scary. I won't. I won't name my 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 teacher uh, that I went to a few years ago that really overhauled everything. Basically, I mean, I've been a professional drummer for about ten years, and he, he just sat me down and was like, "You're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong." And while he's probably right, it's like yes, but it's gotten me to the point where I walk on stage confident. Um, and while I am hitting plateaus, it was hard to disregard everything I was doing and then take on what he said because then there's that middle ground where you feel like you can't play drums at all. And right. it's, that's a scary yeah. spot to know what to take, yeah. what to not. So that's great. You have a filter. Um, yeah. But so speaking of practice routine, how do you break down your practice routine? I mean, it's hard to say, but I would just I would just say how it would ideally be. Okay. So okay. <laughs> because I mostly I mostly just prepare other people's music. You know, that's like the vast majority of my practice is like playing and practicing other people's songs. So like the ideal day that I would have is um, starting off at breakfast, looking at Instagram videos or YouTube videos of drummers and picking something out that I want to wrap my head around or that just inspires me. And then I go to my practice space and then I start off with a little pad session, but also, you know, not too intense, maybe 30 minutes, maximum 45 minutes, I guess. Um, also, while I'm doing this, I'm, you know, I'm trying to sl slightly distract myself because I found that if I'm like if I'm focused I don't really get what the actual problem is in in the routine you know mm. because I can play any, everything that I you know play but I want to you know I want to get in depth with the stuff that I think I can play you know but can't actually because this is the spots when you know when adre adrenaline kicks and you know you're being nervous those are the spots that will show mm that you think you mastered but you didn't actually master so i normally listen to like a podcast or something like one episode and just you know um do do the stuff i'm doing and then um yeah and then when something shows up i i realize okay i should you know i should continue practicing doubles or inverted parallels or whatever or like flams or blah 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 and um after i did that i do a lot like a, a big a big chunk of uh, um, coordination because I feel like this is this is my this is the the biggest thing I need to work on coming from the classical percussion because I never learned uh, coordination because it's all like you know you either play mallets with your hands or sometimes you use your feet to tune like timpanis or something but you never yeah you just never have the the X kind of kind of way of playing, you know. So um, so that's something I I always have to 
um, yeah, just put a lot of focus on to to feel comfortable and safe with everything that I'm doing. Um, so I'm doing like very basic stuff, like four-way coordination stuff for about one or two hours. And then I would probably get into what I listened to at breakfast, like figure that out, either transcribe it or just play along or, um, you know, trying to zoom into what the thing is that kind of caught my attention at that moment. Um, and yeah, practice that, play along, trying to interpret it in my way. Um, like, especially if I don't have the capacity to like actually transcribe it and like, you know, check out every single beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did that, I, yeah, just normally play along to stuff that I like. Um, and that's like mostly when, uh, the Instagram content is, is born, is, <laughs> sure. yeah, is coming to life because, uh, yeah, because that like the Instagram content is basically just me doing the stuff I'm doing, you know, without without having social media in mind. And that at some point thinking, oh, that's that's fun. Let's just record it. And then I record it. And then sometimes I post and or not. And then I go home. <laughs> you are really good at mixing yourself, um, which is most a lot of drummers don't really record themselves enough and to hear that your hi-hat's too loud or your bass drum's too loud yeah um yeah i guess what was what was the thing that that directly made you focus on that stuff at a younger age having your faders all all correct yeah um i have the feeling it kind of came intuitively because um because i was learning like especially when I made the transition from classical percussion to the drum kit. Um, I was learning a lot of stuff and I was understanding a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but it just didn't sound like I'm the stuff I was listening to or it didn't sound like when my teacher was playing. So at some point I realized it, it can't be about the time that I invest, you know, it's it's something else because I was practicing and I was figuring everything out that I was told to figure out. So it had to be something else. And then I had an encounter with um, a bass player who is um, playing for a lot of rap acts in, in Germany. And he he just like imprinted this mantra in my head, which is basically kick drum snare, kick drum snare. You know, he's like, he was like so relentless about that. We were jamming one time and he was like, yeah, he was he was like, you know, put your right hand down, please focus on kick and snare and like see what comes out of there and see like realize the importance of the backbeat and the backbeat not just being something loud that hits on the two and four, but like have like this awareness of like, you know, the heavy, heavy parts of a bar or the heavy parts of of the groove or something, you know, and um yeah, and that was like that was a very crucial encounter I had, um, and I feel like that just kind of um, made the connection in my brain from like, okay, I know, like technically, I know what I'm doing, and now I know why it doesn't sound like it should sound like, and then 
um, I just had to have this, you know, very clear information, you know, that it is about kick and snare, basically, for myself and for the kind of music that I was playing. Um, because before that, everyone was talking about the internal mix, you know, but that like, that just to me felt so, I don't know, like on such a not understandable level for me, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, it's just so, it's just so different because, I don't know, my arms don't weigh as much as my teacher's arms because most of my teachers were like male people that were like, you know, I don't know, taller than me and heavier than me, you know, and they just were working with a whole different body than I'm working with, you know, so... Um, yeah, so I had to make the I had to make the dis the the um, connection to the instrument and not not to like this uh, yeah just this this thing of the internal mix that I couldn't like I just couldn't understand what they what they meant yeah um, so that was like yeah that made that made a whole that was very crucial yeah that was a very crucial moment for me um yeah yeah it's a there's an instagram video from like march something of this year where you forgot to push record on your on your device and yeah. it's just your iphone and it sounds amazing <laughs> you know it's like mine if it was the iphone it would be like just super tingy cymbals and the bass drum would be too loud uh so it's it's apparent that you are very cognizant of it and it is very intuitive it sounds like so so you sound good Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into your, your top five. So the first one is a record that hit you at the right time in your life and represents a big piece of your artistry. Um, and you said uh, the album Black Orpheus by Keziah Jones. And it's, uh, but you did pick out one song that was in, in particular one that you wanted to focus on. And it was uh, Afro Surrealism for the Ladies. And that is Joshua McKenzie, a.k.a. McNasty, on the drums. So maybe we'll just play a little bit of that song, and then we can kind of talk about uh, what you pulled from it. Yeah. All right. This Nigerian science fiction is what makes a difference to the oboe I still love it so much. <laughs> no, it's like you grew it. Yeah. So yeah, what's what's kind of the backstory with that one? How'd you find out about them? And 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 yeah. Um, I mean, so the the record I just looked it looked it up. It, it's from two thousand three, so it's like almost twenty years old. Um, so I was at a very young age, and. I just picked the CD from our pu like public library, kind of. Mm. They had like this, you know, this thing where you can also like lend CDs, and I always would just get there and just randomly just pick some, um, and I had that record at home for like a week or two, 
And at that time, the only music that I kind of listened to was like Eminem, obviously. Um, maybe some Rammstein. Um, oh, nice. Uh, Block Party, mm. Linkin Park. Um, so like the only drumming that I knew, I mean, aside from what my parents listened to, like I'm just you know talking about personal choices yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like the first personal choices probably that i made you know full conscious yeah um so all the drumming that i knew was like just kind of kind of heavy and hard and straightforward and you know not linear or anything and I don't know, but for some reason, just this the sound of the drums and the way they're played, you know, that it's not like that kind of drumming, but like so, so layered and, you know, so kind of so much happening, but so little happening. Mm -hmm. It just like it just caught my attention. And I, you know, I, I didn't play the drums yet. I didn't know I was going into that direction at at any point in my life i had whole different <laughs> interests at that age um what were those interests um i mean music yeah but like um kind of just more like theater playing being on stage you know dancing that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah um I didn't think about playing an instrument or at least not more than, you know, me having to play the piano. Sure. Yeah, we <laughs> like all did. everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but something just, something just like resonated with me so much. And now when I listen to it, it, you know, it still makes so much sense because the drumming is like still so fresh and the, the sound is so nice and just the way the backbeat sits. I feel like I feel like this is probably how I would play, you know, naturally. If like if I would go into the studio and someone would just say, OK, just play over the song, I feel like. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say I play. I play as great as this person played on the record. I just want to say, kind of the 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 um, the feeling for timing and the feeling for sound and the feeling for where where everything is and how the interplaying with the bass player is and stuff like that. I feel like this is something that speaks to me on a very like internalized level. I don't know, like kind of you know really coming from the heart you know without overthinking the timing and you know who's behind who's a bit you know yeah. playing forward and stuff like that just like from how i imagine playing this this groove it just like feels very very close to me kind of in the way i i perceive time and i perceive feeling and groove and kind of kind of those big terms yeah those scary terms so that's, yeah yeah so i guess that's that's why it also like just spoke to me on that very metaphysical level that's not really to you know that that i can't really explain you know mm. why that is because i wasn't at an age where i had any idea about what's happening in that music obviously um so yeah that's a it's a very very special 
a record to me still like just musically it's uh um yeah it's it it really it really shaped a lot probably without me even realizing i guess yeah yeah like what you were saying earlier sonically that there could be bits of those drum beats that could be on the new kanye record and it would it would just make yeah. sense like oh sonically that's contemporary you know it's timeless absolutely yeah, yeah. have you ever gotten a chance to meet uh what's it, mcnasty no no not at all <laughs> i mean also i wasn't i didn't even think about like getting into who played yeah the drums you know it was like yeah i i wasn't i wasn't at that age and then um like i wasn't so much into into all of that stuff at that age and um yeah but yeah i, I could do the research now as i'm a grown-up now <laughs> i could <laughs> figure out who that actually was <laughs> yeah i i said it in the last podcast but uh the first record that made me like really think about the drums was in sync's like self-titled record which is way yeah. way less cooler than your choice so um <laughs> let's just move on quickly Hey y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye <laughs> um, so the next one is your favorite fill, choice, and or moment from a certain record. And of course, yeah. uh, I mean, this goes without saying, we all have a million of them, but I force people to choose one. Um, and so if you have the list in front of you, you can you can say it. I don't want to take the thunder away from you. Oh, no, you should say it because I'm not even, I'm not even sure how to pronounce <laughs> That's why names. I was kind of hoping you were going to say it. <laughs> um, no, okay, so it's the beginning of Wax Simulacra. Uh, by the Mars Volta. It's a Mars Volta song, so it's gonna be it's gonna be weird and awesome. But it's from the album The Bed Lemon and Goliath from 2008. Yeah. And uh, from my research, I, I this is the first record that Thomas Pridgen was on drums. 
All right, here you go. Wax simulacra. Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, where were you when this hit you? Um, I I was playing in my first band, aged fifteen, fourteen, and all of the guys. It was like three other guys, and all of them were like eight to ten years older than me. <laughs> um, but they like. They had some pretty cool tunes and I just wanted to play the kids. So we got together and I had my first legit band and they were huge Mars Volta fans. Mm. And I, of course, did not know the band because the pop culture of my generation at that time was, I don't know, Tokyo Hotel, probably in Germany. Like, I don't know if you know them, like the the lead gu guitarist is the husband of Heidi Klum, the German supermodel and treasure and uh, america's got talent um person okay <laughs> like probably the the biggest uh, german export in uh in pop culture there is you said it was tokyo um, type tokyo hotel tokyo hotel okay yeah that was like that was that was what everyone was fancying at at that time mm. so i got in this band with um, the older dudes that were listening to um mars volta and that blew my mind like that was yeah i don't know that was just yeah also such a big impact and, and big influence and um yeah they basically like First, I thought I think they thought they have to force me to like listen to that so I can understand kind of what they're trying to do in the band. But I, you know, it just, um, yeah, I was into it right away. And then, um, yeah, that album came out and Thomas Pridgen was playing on it. And then they were touring Europe. And I think we saw like three or four concerts, one of them also in Prague. So we kind of, you know, we were like, uh um making making some kilometers to to see that band <laughs> yeah and um in prague i actually did meet thomas pridgen and um so yeah i was like 15 at that time and i told him what what that means to me like what the record means to me and what his playing means to me and how he's like such an inspiration to me and that was I yeah that was a very special and important encounter for me for sure. I still got into classical percussion after that. Even <laughs> though I was like so I was so mesmerized and so uh yeah, so like taken by this world kind of. Um but I probably just thought that I won't make a living as a rock star. I have to make a living as uh someone who has like a position in an orchestra, so that's why mm. I, I got into classical percussion. I was going to ask that, yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what, was the, what was the end goal? Yeah. But um, also the funny thing is, like, 
as I said, I, I saw like three or four concerts of them. And then after that, uh, the Omar Rodriguez Lopez to, um, group was touring. So the Anthony Parks on drums. So like the both of them, I yeah, we will probably get to the Anthony Parks. But like, yeah. you know, the, the two of them were like, oh, they were my role models really when I was like a teen teenager. Mm. And um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically, basically that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about Thomas all day, but let's just, uh, for the sake of time, let's move on to the next one. Yeah. And uh, we will be getting into uh, D'Antoni, but for the time being, uh, a performance which you either played or witnessed yeah. that altered your musical course. Yeah, that was uh, when Robert Glasper was touring with the Robert Glasper Experiment. Um, in 2013, I think, maybe 12, but maybe 13, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I was, I was studying classical percussion at that time. And I was like, you know, locked up in the practice room 24 seven, like literally, re like, I don't know, I was like, practicing until my hands were bleeding and like marimba all day and all of that stuff, you know. And at some point, I was like taking a break. And like the jazz department was you know right next to the classical percussion department at the school so i was like hanging outside and then there were like the cool jazz dudes hanging outside too and then one of them approached me and was like literally kind of like kind of like you have to get out of here you have to you know just take a break and do something else you should go to that concert tonight and i of course didn't know who robert glasper was and I didn't know who Chris Dave was, you know, all of the names that he dropped. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, but he was like so enthusiastic about it that I thought, okay, I should give it a shot. And that was like literally the first concert I went to while I was studying or like maybe after I maybe like turned 17 when I got into like really got into uh, classical percussion that I went to a concert that wasn't orchestra or, or opera or something um, so I went there and they were playing the stuff from the Black Radio album one like the first one mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't Chris Dave drumming live it was Mark Kohlenberg drumming and it had a huge impact on me on multiple levels. But like, first of all, it was musically because I realized I don't want to play classical music anymore. You know, that was like, I like classical music. I like listening to an orchestra, but I don't want to do this as a living. And I don't want to practice those pieces over and over and over and over again. You know, um, that was that. It was like, okay, you know, I love playing the drum kit. I always love playing the drum kit. Why did I ever stop playing the drum kit and, you know, trade the drum kit for timpanis? That was like also a big epiphany. And lastly, it was like, I mean, I grew up in Germany. I grew up in a very, very, very white society. And that was like the first time I saw more than one black person on a stage in a live setting. So like this, also this impact and this means of like identification, it was like mind blowing to me um, and so important, like so important. And from that day on, I knew, okay, I have to, I have to get, 
like I kind of wanted to finish the bachelor's, but I also wanted to get into the drum kit again on the side as well, kind of low key and you know undercover because my classical percussion prof prof uh, people they they yeah they shouldn't know <laughs> um, because I knew they were gonna try to talk me out of it. Um, it sounds like some Shakespearean play right now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to keep it low key. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was practicing like 30, 30 minutes a day, like after everyone went home, you know, and the, and the and the uh, rooms around me were empty, you know, I allowed myself a little thirty minutes of like shedding, and then um, and then I went home. That was that was it for like two years or something. Um, wow. But that was so. It was so important to me and so crucial to me, um, and that was that that performance like it was life-changing i even wrote the guy who i met in front of the school that day who said you should go to that concert i wrote him like a month ago or something and i thanked him for you know bringing this to my attention because it was really really just life-changing yeah well if you wouldn't have been such a type a focused on that in there all the time then he wouldn't have felt the need to do it so the fact yeah. that you were kind of obsessive about it also got you to change you know so it's right. uh serendipitous yeah um were you ever ever able to meet mark like did you could talk to him after the show or is it just totally just experienced it walked away and you were like whoa yeah 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 um that uh, and when they were touring with the black radio 2 album i i really really wanted to talk to him but he like straight up he like played the show got off the drums and just like went out the venue and you know got it got into the cab and went to the hotel he was like the <laughs> first one out so yeah i was a bit bummed i would have loved to talk to him or i i still would love to talk to him one day um yeah, yeah because yeah it yeah he changed my life also chris dave um also then realizing chris dave playing on the album then realizing chris dave played on basically every record that my mom listened to in like the 90s so mm. when i was growing up I was like listening to Chris Dave's playing all the time without me even realizing. Um, and yeah, so it kind of made the, made the circle a whole, I guess, then <laughs> on that day. Well, let's just play a song by Robert Glasper and it features Erica Badu from the record Black Radio 1 and it's called Afro Blue. And again, like you said, the live performance uh, is what changed you with Mark Kohlenberg on drums, but this song is Chris Dave on the recording. Even just the, kind of going back and forth between the A and B, just that little do da da, da that little hi hat yeah, right. thing he adds, so subtle, but it just makes the groove tell the story so much better. Yeah, and also like the importance of the hi hat sound, you know, and like mm. also trying to figure out because there is no, I mean now, 
now there are hi-hats that sound like this when you buy them. You know, you can like buy the top and the bottom that kind of sound like this. But back in the day, it was, you know, like 10 years ago when, when that record came out, it was still like figuring out, you know, which bottom to take and which, you know, you had to kind of figure out which two crash symbols basically you can use to kind of mm -hmm. resemble that sound. Um, and just like go go in depth with with this as well because before to me like figuring something out mostly meant tuning the snare or tuning like tuning the um the drums basically and not really taking care of the cymbals and like the the love you can put into cymbals and that's also something of like when i when i got uh, to work with uh minor i felt like they let me speak you know like that's the sound that's the sound i want and that's the sound i need and that's like the the i don't know it just it just um it's very natural for me to to play them um i don't have to i don't have to f change my physics to make this the the symbols sound the way i want it to sound it just sounds the way i want it to sound you know um so before that i was always in search for how to how to resemble that and especially this hi-hat sound is yeah it was something that i put a lot of energy and and love into kind of figuring out um what what he did and how he did it and um how i can resemble that and then make it my own you know kind of understanding and then and then reinterpreting um uh, uh, yeah, which just like inspired me so much. With that hi-hat sound that we just heard, um, what did you do to try and find that sound? Like what, what direction did, did you go with adding stuff onto the cymbal or whatnot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, um, I don't even know how I got into, um, you know, at some point you could just see all the time the the crash symbols with the holes in it like from basically every brand mm -hmm. um and i think i saw that somewhere i don't remember where but i saw it somewhere that someone was using it as a hi-hat so i knew this and i also still had the mars walter thomas pridgen background you know thomas pridgen who has been using like 18 inch hi-hats or something like huge hi-hats Mm -hmm. also be i i feel like before everyone else it was at least the first time i saw someone using this big of a hi-hat mm -hmm. um so i guess it was kind of like seeing seeing someone using a crash symbol and seeing someone using a crash symbol that you wouldn't normally choose probably because you know it's it has it is a effect symbol it's you know it's not what you what you usually would use as a crash symbol um so someone using that and then and then having the background of okay thomas pridgen played a huge ass hi-hat i might as well just like figure out what sizes could fit um even though everyone around me is playing 14 and 15 inch hi-hats, maybe I should like just try something else and try something bigger. Um, and then I ended up with like a huge, uh, uh, yeah, minor effect crash. That was before I had the deal. So mm -hmm. I had that and then I had like an Istanbul Mehmet, very heavy um, uh, bottom, like crash symbol. 
and I think it was 16 inch and then yeah and then I just started putting stuff on the hi-hat basically yeah. yeah like I remember I remember the guys at school making fun of me and saying like uh, except for the kick drum and the snare drum, like all of my everything of the of the drum set is just for me to put stuff onto. You know, it's just basically <laughs> your leftover kick, chicken, um, yeah, right, your taxes, like, right? <laughs> kick snare and some tables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this is actually a question I want to start asking people. So it's your most watched YouTube video for drumming. Yeah. Um, but it's Omar Rod or the Omar Rodriguez. <laughs> Lopez group live right. in Los Angeles and so that is the uh the main songwriter in the Mars Volta and uh D'Antoni Parks was in Mars Volta for a very short time after Theodore left John Theodore um is he on any records D'Antoni I don't think so not, I don't think so not that I not that I know of um but he is playing with Omar in this in this clip so yeah, there was a specific spot that you wanted me to go to. So if you want to talk yeah. about it, then I can play it. Oh, it's just so the song before it is like, you know, very loud and vivid and a lot of stuff happening, but also like a, it's a lot of stuff happening. But he also plays like this very tight forward groove, you know, and then it comes like to this like very down stripped down section. And he's like playing this rim click and he's playing this rim click delay. And like the first time I saw it, I was like, you know, I was going back to the spot all the time and was like, how, how does he do that? Because it's such as, it's not just that you hear it. It's like so clean. It's so clean. But also, but also when you see it, it's like, how fast can a rim click be you know and he's also he's also playing with his sticks turned around all the time so he's mm. like this you know very heavy hitter and like very i don't know very putting a lot of um uh, like force and strength and you know muscle work into it and then it, it's like the stripped down part and it's just so it's so smooth and so clean and it's like it just blew my mind when i saw it the first time it's yeah unbelievable yeah. so uh i will drop this link in the show notes for people if you want to look at it but i will play it right now the beginning that just starts off with d'anthony just being crazy and then yeah i'll go to the 340 minute mark where anything you're hearing you won't be able to see it obviously but that's him doing it in real time that's not a that's not a pedal he's using yeah so here we go So that's him just being a badass mm -hmm. with the groove. And now let's go to the more broke yeah. down spot. Yeah. 
That right there too, yeah. I mean, also his 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 play between his his hands and his and his, and his hi hat. Yeah, absolutely. It, everything, everything. The hand, the hi hat, the interplaying, the the linear playing, the dynamics. It's oh, it's so so good. Yeah, I think that was that was probably one of the first videos I illegally downloaded from YouTube. <laughs> hey now <laughs> just you know just because back then you couldn't uh you couldn't slow down the video so i had to i had yeah. to do something to slow it down and to like like figure out what he's doing like how the hair moves and everything uh, i had to i had totally. to because that yeah i don't know that was me that was me making my street diploma before going into school <laughs> um all right, so again, for the sake of time, just to move along, your favorite drummer and how their overall body of work has affected you. And uh, I've had a lot of interaction with this guy via Big Fat Snare Drum, and he's also such yeah. a just such a cool person. Um, but it's Lenny. Lenny the Ox Reese. Yeah, he's a great guy. I've uh, I've ta mm -hmm. I did take some lessons with him last year when you know COVID hit and everyone was at home. He was so so kind mm -hmm. to offer some of his time and share some of his knowledge with me. And yeah, and for like yeah, I just felt like we were kind of speaking the same language being uh trying to emancipate from all of the stuff that you can learn and that is like, you know, in institutionalized music learning. And, you know, going back to a more spiritual way of feeling and understanding and um, perceiving music and, and playing the drums. And I think, f I mean, yeah, I think everyone who has seen him knows and, and realizes how, how deeply connected his music is to his soul and his self and how deeply connected his relationship to to the drums is um yeah it's just it's just beyond beyond many things i've seen and it just speaks to me on on like a whole other other level um and yeah and talking to him and also like checking out everything he did and listening to his music and you know trying to figure out what what and how he's playing um, it just made me refocus on my body work and my relationship to my body and um, how I feel while playing the drums. And yeah, it was interesting because I was then like looking through my Instagram feed and I can kind of um, like the way I sit at the drums and the way I play the drums um, through my Instagram feed it always makes sense when I think back to the time and the, uh, the yeah, just my state, my mental state that I was in at the time. If I was like super insecure yeah. or if I was feeling myself or I don't know if I didn't give a damn about the drums, but, you know, was like, I don't know, writing my master thesis and the drums was the thing that kind of that 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 gave me this liberating feeling of, you know, I have I have the. 
I give myself the the freedom of practicing for an hour because I'm like reading books all day. Um, or like, oh my God, I have to practice because everyone is so much better than I am and na, 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 and social media and every everything's killing me and overwhelming me and blah, blah, blah. You know, I can like, I can read myself when I just like, just look at the thumbnails and just the posture, just see my posture at the, at the kit. And um, while seeing him and listening to him and also talking to him, I realized how I can just trick myself into feeling comfortable just by being aware of the way I sit and the way I have, like the, the way my, my sticks feel in my hand. If I have the feeling that, um, you know, my drums are kind of close to me, uh, that I have a, like a good connection to my to my kit, or if I have the feeling, because there's also videos of me where I'm like sitting super high and I feel like there's like there's like this distance to the like I'm kind of like pushing the drums away kind of that's kind of how it how it how it comes off I guess um, so right now I'm like really trying to to have this balance between or like just to make my drum kit the way I set it up feel as if I sit down at the sofa in my living room, you know? It's just like I have to sit down and I have to feel super comfortable without like doing this, like being tense in the shoulders because stuff's too high or chairs too high or chairs too low and stuff like that, you know? And um, yeah, with Lenny, I just always have the feeling of, he, yeah, he and his his kid are just a unity and and he's he's actually speaking through through the drums you know he's not like trying to do something he's like genuinely speak speaking you know mm -hmm. while you were saying that i just I just checked out myself in the in like my my video and i have like the worst posture ever <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious i'll like look back on this like what was going on in your head um well let's just yeah i'm like now i'm better um let's actually just let let's check out uh lenny the ox and the lesson gk yeah and uh, it's actually they're from the Zildjian K Custom special dry performance inside the Artist Vault. If you guys want to find that YouTube, but yeah, let me just let me just play it, and I think people can hear exactly what you're talking about. What I just realized is, you know, in terms of body, it's, it's really like, it really feels like it's just walking. And I think it's kind of the connection between all of the stuff that we've listened to and all of the drummers that we've listened to today is like, they all are centered in themselves and they're all are centered in like the steps they're taking, you know, they're like left, right, left, right, you know, no steps in between or no insecurities in between or not trying to walk cooler or walk more, I don't know, 
<laughs> there's some no i know what you mean you yeah. know it's like yeah i just had to think of monty python uh, ministry of silly walks um why saying that <laughs> but like you know there's like it's just this confidence in in like every step and like the the connection between the foot and earth kind of you know there's like every every step is like on the ground it's not like this and not like that it's like where it should be i guess and um i think that's what's that's to me what makes it so special you know mm -hmm. well philo i thank you so much i know i've taken up a lot of your time i want to give you the ability to give yourself any shout outs any things you're working on or any kind of thing you want people to be hip to um yeah i mean check out my instagram i guess um yeah and yeah the latest project uh my drumming is on is uh an artist called zush z-o-u-m-j and okay. yeah and that's a very special project for me personally for many reasons but uh i think it's also very very good music and he's a great artist and i'm super honored to be playing on his record and i feel like uh, he gave me a lot of freedom so i feel like you know advertising this record uh, kind of also um, advertises probably my way of kind of speaking through the drums i guess uh, in in like mm -hmm. relation to someone else's artistry so it's uh yeah it's just a very special project to me well thanks for being on the show and uh i'll talk to you soon yeah thanks so much for having me all right. Bye-bye. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger. And hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Bye.